0: If you have your Bible, this is a familiar verse of Scripture. The kingdom is in the forefront right now because the king is coming very, very soon. So the message of the kingdom is coming back into the forefront and the message of the coming of the king is coming back into the forefront. Wherever the Spirit is able to speak to the church, these are some of the things that he's going to emphasize. If we want to get into uh, what a lot of churches are into right now, which have little to do with the kingdom and almost nothing to do with the king coming soon. Amen. Everything's to do with the, the here and the now, the temporal and the physical and the material world. And that is not the message for people living in the last Of the last days amen it's not just anybody's gospel or any uh, any any gospel uh, no matter how uh, related it is to the Bible it's it's not any gospel that must be preached it's the gospel of the kingdom that is to be preached into all the world and then shall the end come amen so this is all about a king who rules that becomes the central issue of of our faith. Uh, it was the issue in the, before they put Jesus on the cross because that rebellious spirit came forth out of religious people, supposed to be followers of God, and yet they said of the one God sent who was very God himself in flesh incarnate, we will not have this man rule." over us and that same spirit and it can it can come forth in a religious setting and it did in that day they rejected the one that god sent and uh, jesus said if you knew my father if you really knew the god that you talk about read about and supposed to be so close to you would have known me immediately because i came out from him but since you don't know my father you don't recognize me Amen. And uh, by the way it wasn't it wasn't Caesar's Rome it wasn't Pilate he authorized it but he had no fault with Jesus. It was the religious crowd the leaders of a Jewish religious culture that had become godless while talking about God in such high terms and tones. It was something that happened quite often in Israel. At the peak of their religious offerings and sacrifices, they were backslidden in their heart, and God did not receive the sacrifices that they were offering. And they drifted away, and their enemies defeated them, and they went into captivity. So being right with God, truly right with God, is a precious and powerful thing in the life of a believer. And there, I just want to talk about the threefold for simply getting a, a title out here. Threefold blessing of being in God's kingdom. We've started this before, but this, this is a simple scripture to get these three blessings of being in God's kingdom. Romans 14 and verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want you to say it with me this morning. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I probably won't finish this, so I want to finish part of it before we even start and go on with it. Being right with God allows you to have peace with God. Say that with me. Being right with God allows me to have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, you qualify for the peace of God in your heart and your life. You can't have the peace of God if you don't have peace with God. And the Bible said that Jesus has reconciled us to God through his sacrifice. That means that this chasm between God and us that sin had created, it's been bridged by Jesus and his shed blood in our behalf. So that we can be right with God. And there's a boldness. Boldness in this privileged place. I want to read a profile of a righteous man. Just one of the verses about a man who is right with God. In Psalm 112 and verse 7. Listen to it carefully. It's the characteristics of a righteous man. And the resulting blessings. Especially unshaken peace. Peace. In the time of trouble. Unshaken peace in the time of trouble. It's one of the great blessings of being right with God. (laughs) And it said, He shall not be afraid. Psalm 112 and verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Because his heart is fixed. He's right with God. He knows that God is with him no matter what happens. You know, the Bible said in Psalm 46, when David got right with God and was right with God, he said, God is our refuge. God is our strength. A very present. You don't have to call him and get him to come on the scene. You call on him because he's on the scene. He's with you. A very present. Say it with me. Very present help. In the time of trouble. Therefore will not we or we will not fear. Though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. If the trauma and is, trouble is so bad that mountains are shaken by it. And they are cast into the sea. We who know God and are right with God will not be afraid because our heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a holy boldness. You know, the Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. And I usually sing the lion sleeps tonight at this point, but my voice says they're not up to it today. I don't believe. In the jungle, the mighty jungle. You know why? Oh, yeah, we don't have to get to the weemawas and all of that. You know the song. Amen? Somebody will interpret if you say a weemawa too many times. (laughs) Why is the lion sleeping? Why is he peacefully sleeping? And they write a song about the lion in the jungle, the mighty jungle. The lion sleeps tonight. Why is he sleeping peacefully? Why is he sleeping peacefully? Because there's no predator looking for him. Now, if he attacks a crocodile, he may get in trouble. But the crocodile really, you know, if you don't try to eat me, I'm not going to bother you. I'm not hunting lions at night. Can you say, man? He's called the king of the jungle because, now I know an elephant can squash him. I, I got that. I get that. I know he don't need to be messing with no elephant, but sometimes two or three lions will try to take an elephant down. But one thing for sure, he doesn't go to bed fearful because he is bold. He is bold. That's why Satan gets bold and he uses fear to try to to cause us to be intimidated. The Bible said that he walketh about as what? As he isn't, but he imitates. He walks about as a roaring lion. By the way, he's not what he seems to be in terms. He has the power of influence, the power of deception. He doesn't have power in terms of strength over you and over me. He does not possess that. And when he is cast down, the nations of the world that he deceived will look upon him narrowly and saying, "Is this he?" That deceived them. Is this? How could we? He isn't that big. He isn't that bad. He isn't that powerful. How could we possibly have been deceived by this wretched creature that's been cast down out of heaven amen because he is a liar and the father of lies and he presents himself as great as god he wanted to be greater than god he's called the anointed cherub that walked in the presence of the altar of god in heaven and he was lifted up by reason of his beauty and he became envious of God's throne and said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. I'm going to sit in the congregation of the north. I'm going to be like the Most High. If we get in a place where we can have our breakfast back and have a, a Bible study in the book of Revelation, uh, one of the things you're going to see in the book of Revelation is the, that that Satan is trying to do everything that God did. This I-want-to-be-like-God creature is exerting himself and presenting himself. In the temple, he'll present himself, the Antichrist, as God. He's going to declare himself to be deity. Listen to me very carefully today. We're in a time of trouble like the world has never known. We're headed into the time of Jacob's trouble, which means the great tribulation. Amen. And the Bible said the day of the Lord hasteneth. And, and, and it said it's going to, when it, when it hits, when the tribulation actually hits, I see men with their hands on their loins as travail upon a woman with child, just like a woman. The, the hurt of these times, the, the pressure of these times, the pain of these times will be so great. I see men that look like they're in labor because the day of the Lord has come. Amen. And, the, and it's an incredible time. And we're in the preliminary to that time. We're in the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. Looked up that word sorrows and guess what it means. The Old Testament said, I see men with their hands on their loins as travail upon a woman with child, for the day of the Lord is come. These are the beginning of sorrows. You know what sorrows is in the Greek? Birth pangs. Birth pangs. Pangs. What happens when birth pangs begin? The Bible said there shall be when shall these things be? uh, was asked of Jesus. And he said, He said, There shall be wars and rumors of wars, there shall be earthquakes in divers places. Nations shall rise against nation. The sea and the there shall be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And actually, all of these things have been since the beginning of time. So, how is it still happening and signifying the last times? Frequency. These are the beginning of what? Sorrows. Birth pangs. What's the first thing if someone's rushed to the hospital With birth pangs. That means a baby is coming. One thing is for sure. You get, if it's genuine, if it's not false labor, a baby's on the way. Something's about to happen here. It's going to happen. So get to the hospital. What are they going to ask you? How far apart? Everybody say frequency. Amen. The beginning of sorrow, once they begin, they begin to get more frequent. In other words, we don't just have a storm, we have a storm behind a storm behind a storm. We don't just have an earthquake, but an earthquake behind an earthquake behind an earthquake. We don't just have a rumor of war, but a rumor here and a rumor there and a rumor there and a rumor there. It's all coming together because it's about to happen. The day of the Lord hasteneth greatly. It's coming. It's an incredible time to be living. And we need that peace. Amen. That comes when you know that you're right with God. Your God is with you and God is for you. Can you say man? For the wicked flee when no man pursues. They're afraid of things that we're told by psychologists and sociologists that 85 to 90% of the things that people fear will never come to pass in their life. Amen. If you're afraid you're going to get cancer, you probably won't get cancer. But you live with the fear of it and it takes the quality of life away while you're living with the fear of it. If you if you put yourself in the statistics, if you're reading all of the different health magazines and the statistics, then you, you, without God, we're without hope in this present world, we, we get into the same fear syndrome that the world's in. By the way, one of those signs Jesus talked about, men's... Hearts failing them for fear and for looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. I mean, we could get down and into what is worrying the world to death right now. There are strains of, of, of bacteria that are antibiotic resistance. There's a resurgence of the plague. The plague that killed so many people way back in, in, in those Ancient times is resurging in nations right now. Bird flu is back in China. It's an incredibly fearful, perilous time to be living. I remember having to get dog tags when I was in the fourth grade. Mango Elementary School. We, we were taught to, and, and I talked with a lady last week that lived through that time. We were the same age in an antique shop. Anybody my age is running antique shops. I don't know what that's all about. Amen. But, But my wife always buys me relics or fossil watches. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway. But she did say she loves old things. So, that's a good thing, right? As I age, I appreciate that. Is you is or is you ain't my baby, right? God is good today. How can you smile in a time like this? Why don't you tell us about all of these things that are coming? They are coming. But let me tell you, all of these things that are coming is an indication that He is coming very, very soon. God has... Went on record in the old covenant. And he said, I will not judge. I will not judge. I will. See, when God's on record, you got the Word, then God's on record. When it's in, when it's in the anointing, when it's in the Word of God, He's on record. Hallelujah. Hath He not said it? Once it's on record, you got something about the prophets. By the prophets, I brought them out. Amen. I put it in the mouth of a prophet before I did it. I will do nothing. I will do nothing. I will do nothing. Except I reveal it to my servant, the prophets. Why? So that they can prophesy. This is how God gets His will in heaven done upon the earth. Because there's somebody on the earth that is going to... Bring that Word and speak that Word. And we've got His Word. We've got His Word. We've got His Word. He's on record. Everything that He said, He's doing, He will do. You can take Him at His Word. Praise God. Amen. The Old Testament concerning the Messianic prophecies is a promise made. The New Testament is a promise kept. In Jesus Christ, can you say amen? God is a promise keeper. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might partake of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust if you think you can't live in victory in the 21st century you are very wrong you partake of his nature amen that old nature cannot continue to prevail when his nature is the predominant nature expressing in and through your life by the holy spirit can you say man hallelujah you don't have to cave in Thank you. I listen to contemporary Christian music, and most of it is apologizing for falling down so many times. Thank God for the God that will restore you. Thank God for people who get back up. But I just don't like to hear this defeatist attitude of, I can't overcome temptation. There's no need to try. I know I'm a failure. I know I'm a disappointment to you, God. But you know, you understand me. You get me. It's all right. Here I am again. (laughs) Here I am again, poor, poor, pitiful me. So the Christian now is looked at as a pathetic being. Someone who can't say no to nothing. Who has no semblance of the victory promised, purposed, and provided by God. Yet the Apostle Paul says, thanks be unto God 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know your work is not in vain in the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. There's victory in Jesus. I preach that message. For three days from that text in South Carolina. And on the last day, a lady came that had been in a car wreck. And the three bones were fused together in her neck. She was given pain medication to the point that they could not increase it. And her body had become accustomed to it and it wasn't stopping the pain anymore. She said, I live with pain. Day And night. And the doctors can do nothing else for me. And they can't even increase my pain medication. I'm at the limit. And I'm at the limit of my endurance. And we talked about a God-given. It's amazing. You don't have to be specific when you're talking about a God-given victory. Victory applies to everything that challenges you and challenges me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory addresses that habit, that flaw in us, that challenge to us, that temptation. Everything is addressed when victory is achieved. We used to sing it, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. I want to hear some songs about victory. I hear songs that young Christians are singing today about this this pathos, this pathetic milk toast, watered down, polluted perverted form of Christianity that the devil can ride roughshod over you. And the only thing you can fall back on is the grace of God because there's no victory in God. Grace is not there to cover up for our sin. For the grace of God that has appeared to all men teaching us, That denying ungodliness. What? Denying ungodliness? You can actually overcome the world. You can actually overcome the flesh. You can actually overcome the devil. There's victory in Jesus. Actual victory in Jesus. Listen to contemporary gospel music today. Where's the victory? Where's the sound of joy in the camp? Where's the person saying, thank you, Lord, for victory? Thank you. Christians have fallen through the week, faltered through the week, come to church on Sunday under deep conviction. How about some victory during the week? How about coming to church with a testimony? Boy, I was about to give in. I decided I'm going to pray I went to work for Tampa Electric, got out of clergy world, and went out into that other world, the one y'all live in. Amen. And a guy I won't go into all he did and all he said, but I was wore out. They would come in, those linemen would come in on on Monday, and they were hung over from their weekend of partying, and they felt bad and they're out in the hot sun. And they take it out on the underlings. I was a groundman equipment operator. So I was supposed to serve the linemen. And I got out on that crew. And I mean, they laid it on me. They poured it on me. And I was doing fine till a guy cussed me. And, you know, sometimes you think the flesh is so dead. (laughs) But there's certain... I've often said it, the devil knows where you got your goat tied. He knows how to get your goat. He knows where your button is. And I'm not talking about your belly button either. I'm talking about the button that can be pushed to stimulate anger inside of you. I felt that anger rise up, and I was always little. I wasn't always big like I am now. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you, when that anger rises, have you ever heard about people that drink and they said, I'm, 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 I feel 10 foot tall p- tall and bulletproof? Uh-huh. Well, when I get angry, I feel the same way. I don't have to get drunk to feel like that. When I get mad, I feel like I could whoop, you know. that? Yeah, that adrenaline's kicking. Come on, you're a short guy, but you got a button. I can tell he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Terry, he's not six foot four, but he got a button. Yeah. <laughs> he got a goat, too. Amen. Yeah, Power small packages. You're right. Yeah, they don't know what they're getting a hold of. I might surprise somebody, namely Earth. me. <laughs> Boy, I wanted, I wanted to give him a tongue lashing, I wanted to give him peace of my mind, that unrenewed part of my mind. I want him to come down off of that pole. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I know what this is. This is a test right now for me. James and John, by the way, were called the sons of thunder. Isn't it amazing? These two apostles had such anger issues, <laughs> needed anger, anger management, always in a fight and always in a fuss so much that they call them the sons of thunder. But when they became the sons of God, amen, that thunder ceased. Things begin to change. But it's always just under the surface. It's still under there. It's still under there. It's still under there. Amen. And there's a righteous indignation. Jesus had it. It wasn't an anger out of control. It was controlled, righteous indignation in the temple. Jesus... Kicked over money tables. And Jesus, this is premeditated. He wasn't just popping off. He was executing the righteous anger of God at what church had become in that day. He braided a whip. He braided. He took his time and braided a whip. And when he had it braided to where they could see he had it... By the way, if you're if you if you're looking for gentle Jesus, meek and mild, the one he became as the lamb that they took to the cross, he wasn't that Jesus before the cross, and he'll never be that Jesus after the cross. Jesus is not coming back on a donkey for them to spit on, hurl insults at. He's coming back on a white horse. There's a name written on his thigh... King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he returns, every knee, without exception, will bow. And every tongue will confess. The people that blaspheme him, resist him, don't want him now, will bow to him and have to confess him then. Not in salvation, but in the fact that he is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is very God. And he's coming back again. He wasn't that lamb that held his peace in Pilate's hall. Dumb before his shears, he opened not his mouth. It's a good thing he didn't open his mouth. Because never a man spake like this man. For what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves Obey him. He doesn't speak like the scribes and the Pharisees. He speaks as one having authority. Well, just how much authority did he have? The Bible said God gave him power over all the power of the devil. Every bit of it. This is not 90% Jesus and 50% the devil and Jesus. No, no, no. This is 100% victory. Can you say, man? When Jesus comes, He's not coming to deal with the devil. He's already dealt with him. Defeated him. In our behalf. In our behalf. In our behalf. He didn't defeat him as a God in heaven, but as a man on earth. In our behalf. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have thelpsis. You're going to have anguish. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome it. I've won the victory in your behalf. He didn't win it for his. He's got it. He had it in heaven. He had it on earth. He didn't get the victory for himself. He got the victory in our behalf. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. As my father sent me, he says, so send I you. The works that I do, you shall do. And greater things than these shall ye do because I go to my Father. But my work is not going to stop when I ascend to heaven. Because I've got a church down there that is filled with the Spirit. I've got a church down there that is authorized to speak my word. I've got a church down there that when they pray, amen, the Father's going to listen to them just like he listens to me. Because he loves them just like he loves me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 And someone said the church is dying on its feet because she isn't living on her knees. We pray, but we really don't expect an answer. When I was healed of a stroke, a church prayed for me like churches do. Thank God for a a spirit-filled church in, in Alabama that prayed for me. And thank God for you who prayed for me and others who prayed for me. But when they got the word, this is a church of probably over a thousand people, I understand, or 1,500 people. When a testimony was given about the man they were praying for in Florida who'd had a stroke, suddenly, without anybody saying another word, just hearing what God had done, this whole church came to its feet. No one said stand up and give God praise. No, everybody stood up and gave God praise simultaneously, Because a prayer that's been prayed for many, many people in that condition and not seen results. A prayer is prayed and results were manifest. Amen. Glory be to God and when all oh friends. When prayers start getting answered, when prayers start, ge- oh, no, you won't be looking like you're looking on Sunday morning normally. Drug out and, you know, beat down and beleaguered. You know what I'm saying? Lower than a snake in a wagon rut. You won't be looking like that anymore. The, oh, listen, Right, being right with God means you have, you have a relationship to God that is different from anyone else in the entire world. What manner of love is this? What kind of love is this? Amen. I I, I used to, when I heard that song, I used to think about Pamela. I thought we ought to Christianize it. But there was a pop song in the 50s. Does anybody remember the 50s? I'm not going to ask you about the 60s. Nobody remembers the 60s. We used to ask... (laughs) we uh, used to ask Patty Suarez something about the 60s. She said, oh, I was uh, <laughs> I was tripping. During, during the <laughs> you got me straight tripping, boo. Can you say that she was tripping during the 60s? Don't remember much. It's all a blur. Tune in and whatever. You were not there. You just don't understand. I was there. I'm glad God got me when he did cuz I was headed down the wrong road but God got a hold of me. I I'm so tired of hearing the the gospel songs. Lord, I'm if you listen to them in essence I'm I'm a real basket case as a Christian. You know, in the body of Christ I'm the armpit. Amen. But I know you love me. And my only hope is that you'll keep on forgiving me and forgiving me and forgiving. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for repentance. Thank God for restoration. But thank God for victory. What good would it do if God forgives you and you go out and you're shackled by the same sin? Held in the same prison house of the devil. Having to live in that prison and continually depend on God's grace just to get you to heaven. Because you're no good to Him as a witness in this world. There's no victory over your habits. No victory over your hang-ups. You're going to live in that and sing songs about His love and His grace and His mercy. But you can't sing a song about His victory. God wants the church to know the joyful sound again. Yeah. God wants His church to know that your marriage does not have to fail. Thank God for the God can restore you if it has failed. But it doesn't have to fail. Can you say amen? Oh, friend of mine, there's victory in Jesus and it begins with knowing that you're right with God and getting rid of the fear and the intimidation and coming into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that we're not just these pitiful, pathetic beings walking around without a testimony to the power and presence of God. If you're an alcoholic today, if the spirit of addiction has a hold of you, prescription drugs, pharmacos, whatever, there's victory in Jesus. And you don't even have to... once Once you get someone into that victory... Claiming that victory. Standing up and claiming that victory by faith. You, you don't have to specify what the problem is. I wasn't preaching about homosexuality. I was preaching about victory. On the air in South Carolina. We were on the air for 10, 12 weeks. Didn't hear anything. Preaching on victory. I chose David. As one of those messages. Aren't you glad David got victory over Goliath? And aren't you glad when David failed. He got victory over himself and his sin. Aren't you glad that he died. Not as the defeated. Poor old messed up David. But he died as a great king. So honored. Because of God's victory. (laughs) And God's restoration. That. They honored Jesus because he was in the Davidic bloodline. And they all honored Jesus by calling him the son of David. Isn't that incredible? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because this was a victorious bloodline. But boy, there was some foul ups in it, but David didn't stay down. David got up and David stood up and David repented and David was restored. He restoreth my soul. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? There is victory in Jesus. I look at people not living in that victory, not even seeking it anymore, just hoping for enough grace to keep them, get them to heaven when it's all over, said and done. Listen, Satan wants to destroy your testimony, he wants you to be an. He wants you to be an advertisement that Christianity doesn't have any more power than any other world religion. He wants you to be as messed up, fouled up as anybody else in this world except you go to church on Sunday. Can you say amen? You can recite a psalm or something. He, he doesn't want a living epistle read by all men. I, I Listen, I want victory because I want to bring glory to my king. I don't want victory. I don't want to get healed so I can watch TV without pain. I want to get healed so I can declare Jesus as a healer because he healed me. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's because I'm a child of the king. I have a covenant with God. Hallelujah. I am right with God. And that means God gives us a bold faith. Hallelujah are you right with God by never messing up no I'm right with God because when I mess up I want to do the right thing and confess it I want to get it right I want to ask forgiveness and the person that asked me for forgiveness I said well forgive me for exploding I don't like to explode some people love it Boy, I told them off. i give them a piece of my mind. Oh. Not too many pieces left. Be very careful when you give the last piece away. I told them off. Well, remember the song, If I Hold My Peace? Well, it's hard sometimes. And let the, see, the biggest battle is holding your peace, and let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory shall be mine. So I ask forgiveness, and the person says, No, I provoked you. And I, I understand that, I respect that. But I want victory. Because if the devil finds out he can provoke me to anger, to get me to lose my victory, he, he's going to push that button through. Some, somebody's going to find that. Somebody knows where my goat is tied. And they're going to get my goat. I want him to know. I want victory. I, 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 when I got out in the working world with a production crew, at a plant where they drive you. I've worked, I, 12 years, I was bivocational. Well, one night it got so bad. Everything messed up so bad. And people started screaming and hollering because we couldn't give them, because we had stuff broke down, but they took it out on us. And I walked over to a bin that we put these plastic bottles in that when they were marred, this great big plastic bin on rollers I walked over to it, and just like Bruce Lee, I kicked it and knocked it over. And there was a guy standing there looking at me. The rev done kicked over. Of course, it didn't hurt it, you know. It didn't hurt it, and it didn't hurt. I picked the bottles up and put them back after I kicked it over, but I kicked it over. I've been working eight and ten hours a day. And I was wore down. And I'm going to tell you, the devil don't do this when you're prayed up. He knows better. <laughs> he knows better. When you prayed up, you got up that morning and say, Good morning, Lord. Hallelujah. It's a great day. Glory be to God. And you go to work and somebody says, Can you tell me about Jesus after, the, after, after work? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, what a great day. And the boss comes up and says, I wish I had ten more just like you. Woo! Victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. It's easy to have the victory, but when you're wore out and you're tore up and you're beat down and you're beleaguered and you've been working so hard you hadn't prayed very hard, you, and you're not prayed up, and then it hits you. You're not in any <laughs> you're not in any spiritual condition to handle it. So when I get really tired physically and mentally, I really. Am cautioned, if the devil's going to do it, he's going to do it now. Because this is where he wants, so before he even tries to do it. I have to shield myself from negativity. I, I've never seen so much negativity among Christians in my entire life. When I got saved, it was a positive allegiance to Jesus. A positive life based on what the Spirit of God could do within you. Get around Christians, you're going to be lifted up. Well, it wasn't very long before those very Christians that I looked to for lifting up began to tell me what was wrong with the preacher and his wife and tell us what was wrong with that sister and what sin that brother was concealing. And before long... I'm cast back down again. And there were times when I had to build myself up on my most holy faith. Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. When does victory come back? This lady came down third night preaching on victory out of the same, same text. Thanks be unto God, which gives us what? The what? The victory? You mean there's victory? Christians can walk in victory? We can know the joyful sounds, the shout when God has defeated our enemy, when the enemy is turning back, when the enemy is running away, when we're standing and declaring the gratefulness, the graciousness and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. She came down for prayer. And I've told you before, I went to lay hands on her. And she told me what was wrong. And I, I see the bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. The holy boldness rose up inside of me. and I, Oh, oh, oh. Let me tell you about that boldness. I got four things I got to get out before I quit. And it's time to quit. Which don't mean anything except I'm going to try soon. Amen. A lady was here during the funeral. She came to the Holy Church of God. She had a son that had a problem in the womb. And the doctor said the best thing we can do for you and your son. It was a boy child. Is to abort this baby. Because what was happening. Something had come out in the in the sonogram on the side of the baby. They thought it was intestine. And they began to check closer. And I was told this at my son's memorial service over in the portable. This happened several years, well, many years ago at the Holy Church of God. She said, she said, they told me that his organs, he was going to be born with his organs on the outside. And the most merciful thing for the child and the mother is to abort this baby. She said, Brother Venable, I have told my son, said, my son's never met you. But he's always talking, Mama, someday I want to go to Brother Venable's church. I'm going to tell you something about kids in a womb. John the Baptist is in the womb of Elizabeth. And when Mary tells her about the angel and the visit and the the immaculate conception, (laughs) John the Baptist in the womb. Elizabeth said, and the Bible said, that the baby leapt in the womb. First Pentecostal. And it wasn't even the day of Pentecost. He leapt for the joy at the news. And this John the Baptist to be that forerunner of Jesus Christ. Leaping in the womb at the good news. Hallelujah. Amen. So this... This, this baby that was to be aborted, she said, I came to church, I came down for prayer, I told you what the situation was, and said, you spoke to my stomach and the baby in my womb, and you said, devil, you have no place in this woman, you have no place in this building, you have no place in this child. And then you said, I command this baby to be healthy and have no problems. And she said, Brother Venable, I went back, had another sonogram, couldn't find nothing wrong. I had the baby, and the baby's now a young man. And here's his picture. And you know something? When a lot of people are backsliding and a lot of people are laying out of church and a lot of people are discontent and discouraged and dis everything else, sometimes just in time, God sends somebody with a testimony. And when I looked at that young man that I prayed for in the womb and I thought, you know something? I'm not Oral Roberts. I'm not one of these national evangelists. But I am a child of the Most High God. And the hand of the Lord is on me. And it's on you. Can you say man, Hallelujah. Listen, you got to move by faith for God to move by His Spirit. Amen. Don't ever ask Jesus to drive a parked car. Can you say amen? Huh? It's got to be moving for him to take the wheel. It's got to be moving for him to take the wheel. I said, it's come on, it's got to be moving for him to take the wheel. Amen. I'm watching Christians that had the fire at one time. Lose that fire and lose that desire to seek God till he come and rain what on us? Righteousness on us. Listen, when the church gets right with God, she will become bold in God. And when she becomes bold in God, she's going to know the victory of God again. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to what David said when he wasn't right with God. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Thou will not hear me. There's no boldness in prayer when you know you haven't dealt with sin in your life. And it won't be just the devil. It'll be your conscience accusing you. Your own conscience disqualifying you. It's there to convict you, not to condemn you. The devil wants to stimulate that very conscience to condemn you and disqualify you. God wants to stimulate that conscience to have you get a cleansing. David prayed. He said, When I held my peace, so- oh, I got 18 sermons alive in me and only 18 minutes to finish. <laughs> If I let you out before you fall out, can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David said in Psalm 32, this is what he did after his great sin, his great failure. Blessed. Which means happy to be envied in the Hebrew. Everybody say happy to be envied. Hallelujah. Blessed. Happy. Oh, happy. 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 Are you kidding me? Where is simple happiness? In the Christian community, not only happy, but so happy, people will envy you. Say, how can you be happy in this world? How can you be happy with with Rocket Man wanting to kill us all? How can you be happy? Wow. Amen. How can you be happy, and yet blessed means happy? To be envied. And believe me, if you're happy in these days, somebody's going to envy you and say, where in the world did you get that? And then you better get your instant in season on. Out of season. Be instant in season, out of season. Be ready to give an answer to all men for the reason of the hope that is in you. Because it becomes visible and viable to this world about us. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Whose transgress- See, the man's getting right with God. Happy to be envied is that guy. Not the guy that never needs to get right, but the guy that gets right. And then the guy that lives right after he gets right. Can you say amen? Blessed is the man. Happy to be envied. Ha- say it with me. Happy to be envied. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. He said, you know, I wasn't always happy to be envied. When I held my peace, when I failed to confess that sin and get right with God, my bones waxed old with roaring. There was no peace. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Can you say amen? said, my bones waxed, old oh, with roaring all day long. And my moisture was turned to drought. And he said, don't be like I was for a season. Like the ox or the mule that has to be turned about with the bit and the bridle. What does the bit and bridle do? Pressure and pain. Pressure and pain. Lest He turn and ring you. Don't be like that. Don't run from God. Run to God. Get right with God. And then from Psalm 32, He graduates to Psalm 51. Oh, hallelujah. Are you ready for this? Wash me with hyssop. <laughs> and I shall be clean. Amen. Created me a clean heart. O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me and restore unto me the joy of your salvation, the joy of your deliverance. Can you say man? Listen, what happens, not only when he gets right with God, is he happy to be envied, he is cleansed, he is bold again, he said, then, Not because we're, listen, then transgressors will learn thy ways. When they see what you've done in me and for me and what I did to get right with you. Transgressors will learn your way. They'll learn how to repent. They'll learn the blessing of restoration. They'll see it in him. And sinners will be converted unto thee. My witness will have an impact when I get the victory. And the victory begins when I get right with God. Can you say "Man, Hallelujah. Isn't that incredible? Then, not until then, until the church repents and gets right with God, we can't reach the world because they can't see Him in us and they can't see victory in us. And as far as they're concerned, we're just like them except we go to church on Sunday. But when you get out of church, if you follow Jesus, you fall in love with him and you put the kingdom first. I, I know people right now that had a call of God on their life, but they quit putting Jesus first and God can't use them. And they've been sidetracked and sidelined. Hallelujah. But if they will come back to God. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I used to see that the way a preacher preached it. You can't repent. You'll go to hell because you could have and you should have, but you didn't. No, it means that he doesn't repent of choosing you. He doesn't repent of calling you. He knew what he was doing when he called Peter, and he knew what Peter was going to do, but he knew what he would do when Peter did the right thing. He never repented of calling Peter, and he used him in spite of himself. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't ask me to repeat that <laughs> By a disc <laughs> I Play it in slow, slow speed Is there no victory? This boy is a young man There was a baby in the womb With one of the most horrible conditions Horrible reports a mother can hear Boldness, boldness, Holy Spirit rises up on, I don't do this, but the Holy Spirit does this, hallelujah, he rises up and said, listen, you can't do that, you have no authority here, you can't do that, amen, Holy Spirit just won't take it, amen, he won't take it, he won't concede anything to the devil, He will not give him credit for nothing. He that's in us is what? For real? See, the problem is people are trying to live out a religious lifestyle with a religious spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. The anointing does what to the yoke? It breaks it. It breaks it every single time. And when we preach without the anointing, there is no yoke breaking in the audience. But when we preach under the anointing, that's what the devil fears. People don't come here, some of them, because they come under deep conviction when they get here. They're uncomfortable where the anointing is. My own dad, I... Begged him to come to church because y'all would love on him. I want him to hear the play the fiddle one more time. <laughs> Finally, when he just couldn't get out, I said, Dad, i, I got to ask you. Why didn't you ever come to church with me? I told, we were taking two vehicles then in case I had to stay. I said, I'll take you home right after the service. Or, Pamela will take you home if you have to leave early. And, and he had been under such condemnation his whole life from the devil. He said, well, I know that you preach under the anointing, son. And I was afraid that you, the Lord might show you that I had a devil in me. And I said, why would you have a devil in you? See, when the emphasis is on the devil's power, and the and there are people that, that wish that I would, I've had people in a victorious service. Now, this is an amazing thing. We have a, a service marked with victory and good testimonies. And people come up to me and, and listen to this. This this happens to me and has happened to me. It's going to continue to happen because Christians wander around out there poking their nose in the darkness. Instead of being standing in awe of the light, people come up and this is what they say. And I'm not exaggerating. Brother Venable, there was something wrong there today. And I think, what? What what are you talking about? What is your problem? What in the world is wrong? I said it in a service recently. If you think there's something wrong, it's wrong with you. It's your attitude. Your oversensitivity to evil spirits and your undersensitivity to the spirit of God that's moving. Looking for the devil in every corner. I felt like the devil was there today. I felt something was wrong. It is wrong. It's wrong in you. You need to get right with God. You need to get your focus back. You need your joy back. You need some peace. You need some power. You need some confidence in God. You need to see the good and not the evil all around you. You need a revival. And the hardest people to have revival, people have been sitting in church for years. Because they got it all. And they know it all. What do we need pastors for? we got people that God's showing them everything and telling them everything. What do we need a pastor for? To tell them God doesn't operate that way. He don't even do that with me. I have to seek Him for it. I have to surrender to Him. I have to empty myself the venerable, we could feel that thing. What thing? What are you talking about? Oh, I'm not going to deny the devil comes to church. He sits in the front row and nobody sitting here or here. <laughs> he sits in the front row and Mike says, <laughs> Don't you think he opposed? Listen. When the gospel is preached, when the word is being sown, immediately Satan cometh. If you're oversensitive to him, you'll sense him when he shows up. But if you hang around a little while, you're going to find out that him showing up ain't going to stop the anointed preaching of the Word. Amen. He sent his Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Can you say man? So if you want to be sensitive to the devil when he shows up to oppose it, then you can just crawl, crawl, you know, pull your head in like a turtle. Amen. Put, tuck your tail between your legs and say, I felt something was wrong in that service. Well, there was so much right. Why didn't you? Listen. Reinhard Bonnke has preached in Africa. God told him to plunder hell and populate heaven. He went to India to hold a crusade. He sent his his associates to India to set it up. They were told if you preach in this particular area of India, it's a possibility there'll be a riot and they'll try to kill you all. That was the report. They worship all of these gods, millions of gods. And so he had prayed up. He hadn't... He, had, he didn't have that super sensitivity to evil and the devil, but he had a super sensitivity to Christ and God and His power and His person. He got off the plane, walked down to the tarmac, and his associate met him. And on the way back to the hotel, his associate told him, and by the way, be careful who you hang with. Because some of the people are supposed to stand with you and agree in agreeing faith, be the very people that'll that will try to pull all of that right out of you. He said, Reinhardt, he said, when, when you got here, did you feel it? He said, what are you talking about? He said, did you feel it? And I, I have no doubt that in some of these places you can sense the oppressing power of the devil. Now, you've got a choice when you begin to pick up on that. You've got a choice to declare the greater one or give in to that. And diminish the greatness of God in your life and to the people you want to preach to. Amen. So he made a choice. He said, you know, because he knew that may happen when he got to India. And he said, you know what? He said, ever since I got off the plane, I have felt nothing but the greatness and the glory of God. He said, the only thing I want to do here in India is exalt the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let these people know that he holds the power, that he has the authority, that he can save you, he can heal you, he can deliver you, he can set you free. Can you say amen? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Evangelist went to preach in Africa. His T.L. Lowry went to preach in Africa. There was a lady who was involved in the occult. They all feared her for putting a curse on them or something else. They were steeped in superstition. She was steeped in witchcraft. And she had all of her cohorts praying against the meeting. They told him what was happening and how they were praying against the meeting. So they called her Mama. She was like a patriarch spiritually, only the wrong spirit. So he decided for the meeting, started to pay her a visit. And he went to where she lived. He walked up to the door, and he said, Mama, I come here in the name of Jesus Christ. And I came to tell you right now, my master defeated your master 2,000 years ago at the cross. And mama, as long as I'm here preaching, I am the boss. Hallelujah. People that went to that meeting, that big tent meeting, and other meetings, they had the same testimony. They said they seen fiery-looking entities going round and around that tent. But every time they would try to enter, it's like they hit an invisible shield. And they would go around it again and try to come in another way. And every time they'd come in, boom! Um, They hit that shield. And when the gospel was preached in power, people came to know Christ as their Savior. And the son of a witch doctor. His daddy came home from the meeting. And his daddy said, I went up for prayer, son. I heard about Jesus and I went up for prayer. And said, when the man of God took a hold of my hand, he said, all of my power is gone. He didn't sense those familiar spirits, those evil spirits he was cohorting with. And his son said, Oh, daddy, if it's that, if I saw my daddy, my daddy, he was a protege of his daddy to fill his shoes. He went, heard the message under the anointing, and got saved. Got set free. And God called him to preach the gospel. And he preached for years in Africa, came to America, and he said, I was taken back by the church and Christians in America. He said, When I would give my testimony, they would come up to talk to me personally after the service. And they would say unto me, because I was in the occult, I was in to the to the what is it, the male witch, what the warlock type of thing. He said, He said, the black arts, he said, they would come up to me and said, Oh, I know that the devil hated to lose you. And I know you were deep into it. And I would imagine that you have problems at night when demons come and try to torment you and try to oppose you. And demons this and demons that, demons this and demons that. Demons are real. If you put a spotlight on them, you'll probably see one yourself sooner or later. (laughs) I love his deep theological answer that he gave them. And he said, I don't have any problem with the devil or demons. Showing themselves or all of this. And they said, well, how do you you overcome it after you were in it that deep? He put this big smile on. He said, flies don't land on a hot stove. (laughs) You get right with God. You realize who's in you and who is with you is greater than he that's in the world. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. You know the power and the authority of Jesus' name. You get on fire again for God and flies won't land on a hot stove. Can you say man? You're not going to have a trouble with the devil. He's going to have trouble with you. Devil's going to have to look under his bed before he goes to sleep, see if you're under there. I'm not trivializing the power of the enemy. I'm maximizing and magnifying the power and presence and authority of God in the life of a believer. What would happen if there's no authority to speak to that child in that womb what happens there's no miracles there's no evidence of god's power in the church people pray and there's no manifest answers everything is too hard for god and prayer is a futile exercise in disappointment because the boldness The boldness to tear a roof off to get a man to Jesus. The boldness to say there's more with us than there is with them out of a king's mouth. When they're hopelessly outnumbered militarily. (laughs) With them is the arm of flesh. With us is the the name, name of the Lord our God. He it is that shall fight our battles. The boldness to look a giant in the eye from a shepherd boy and say, I'm going to take your head off today. Amen. And the boldness to run at him instead of run from him. Without that boldness, the giant prevails. Without that boldness, Israel loses the battle. Without that boldness, boldness. God's hands are tied because faith has died in its tracks. Without that boldness, no preacher commands anything because we're too wimpy, shallow. We have no revelation or realization of who we are in Jesus or who he is in us. So we go through. You know who's got the power? Where power is being manifested? Satan. They're fasting for the devil to manifest. We're feasting because we don't believe it's going to do any good. No one calls a fast. There's no solemn assembly. We go to a prayer breakfast and argue on what the menu should be. Oh, yes, I've been there. I know a few things because I've seen a few things. I was invited to sit with a group of pastors, going to start a prayer breakfast in Tampa over 30 years ago. We're going to pray for this city. We're going to go up to the high places and tear the devil's kingdom down. We're going to see revival in our city, because we're going to get it together. Well, we got together. Then we began to try to decide we were going to invite some of our prayer warriors in, and some of our folks. And one pastor says, he said, listen, he said, if we go with this menu, now we're away from the whole purpose of it all to figure out what we're going to eat when we do get together. If we go with the continental breakfast, there's people not going to be satisfied because they're not going to get enough. You know what the continental breakfast is? It's a it's a sweet roll and a cup of coffee. If we go with the big breakfast, they won't be able to afford it. It costs $10.50. But you've got ham and sausage and egg any way you want it and bacon and toast and somebody say hallelujah.
1: <laughs>
0: Amen. You know what I'm talking about in grits, cheese grits. Yeah, let's go ahead. And if you're going to go all out, let's get the cheese in it and really make it flavorful. Amen. But then they can't afford and they got to fussing, not fussing, but just what, are, you know, the big issue was, what are we going to have for breakfast? And I thought, I don't know what you're going to have for breakfast, but I know who you're not going to have for breakfast. Amen? I'm not going to sit there where people are, call it a prayer breakfast. When do we pray? Who wants to pray over the food today? I'll do it. Over the teeth? Through the gums? Look out stomach? Here it comes. Thank you, Jesus. You might as well play that prayer. The devil's not afraid of that. It never became a cohesive group of people seeking revival. Hell didn't tremble. Souls were not convicted of their sin. You see where God really starts moving? it will fill a church or it will empty it. But people will not sit there in neutral, nonchalant. There are people convicted here today. Thank God for conviction. If you wasn't convicted, the devil would keep wrapping those chains around you until he pulled you right back from where God took you from. But when conviction comes, it's a holy opportunity to get right with God. Hallelujah. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then sinners shall be converted and transgressors will learn your way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I don't know where we're going from here but I know one thing is for sure. I'm looking for people hungry for God who are dis- have something I call divine dissatisfaction. Somebody who has has tasted the power of the world to come and they know when it's not present No matter what kind of show we put on We can pull back the curtains And dress a choir Choir robes now I looked at some when Tampa No wonder they went out of business Nobody could afford to buy the things That were in there Picture of Jesus cost $500 or something Anyway, moving right along uh, but, but there were choir robes That cost $1,000 $1,100 Boy, you've got to wash a lot of cars Amen to robe a very big choir Or you got to be a very rich church But that choir can be cloistered In those robes And by the way there were preacher suits there You know the the collar and the robe And the vestments And I thought man I wouldn't have to choose my tie You know I could I could could put on Of course if I come out here in vestments Y'all would just be giggling (laughs) Y'all wouldn't give me any more honor Would you I know, it's okay, it's all right. Except for him, he'd be guffawing. Everybody else at least would keep it to a giggle. I'd get excited, get my feet tangled up in the robe and fall on my face. Have to take it off and throw it somewhere so I could preach. Because I'm used to being free in the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. They call that high worship. When it's so high, nobody gets it. And it's in a language no one understands. They actually call it high worship because there's so many things we go through. So many, you know, liturgies and this and that and the other. We sit there lifeless and watch the gospel show be put on. Nobody gets convicted. Nobody gets delivered. Nobody gets healed. Nobody gets helped. But we sat in church and the choir was cloistered and the ministry was cloistered and this formal religious system did its thing but if your dog gets sick you better take him to a vet because they sure couldn't pray for it and we're satisfied with it see one of the signs of the last day is having a form of godliness that's dead lifeless, Christless religion. Having a form of godliness and denying What happens when you truly are right with God and you begin to live in victory? Can you say, man, having a form, this religious semblance, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Everybody say the power. The power. The power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the Holy Spirit can you say man this gospel did not come in word only but in power and in the Holy Ghost and therefore in much assurance I don't know about you but I miss the power Amen Amen It wasn't just Pentecostals used to shout. There were powerful Baptist preachers and Baptist people used to shout their hair down. Bobby pins flying everywhere. Had to wear goggles in the service. Well, maybe not that bad. (laughs) But there was power. And Pentecost, we were known for power. Now you go to a Pentecostal church with a heritage of power. And I don't get to go out much like that. But from what I understand, it's obviously, ominously missing. It's a good service. It is a great homiletical, hermeneutical sermon. It is organized, it is three points in an illustration, it is well-timed, and the choir sung like angels. But nobody convicted of sin, running to an altar for salvation. Nobody healed of a disease, shouting, I can see, I can see, I can walk, I can walk. Nobody delivered from demon possession that's saying I'm free. Thank God I'm free. Hallelujah. No Christians on fire on Monday morning. Such a residue of that power on their life that they walk into work and somebody immediately wants to talk to them. Because there's something about them. There's something going on here. That fire isn't put out. That light isn't placed under a bushel the rest of the week. It's still burning. Burning. Give me oil. In my lamp And keep me burning Till the light of day Hallelujah How many want to pursue And you got to go back to get it You can't keep going forward Into the new and better thing That's supposed to be out there The new way of doing church The new way of worshipping Where the sacred and the holy is traded For the little One man said it He said when I go to Christian concerts, now I feel like somebody has stuffed me with a jumbo bag of marshmallows. No substance. Nothing that causes me to reverence God. Some little fluffy toe-tapping tune by somebody that is working for a record company to make them money. To make them money. Corrupting. The sacred. And turning it into cheap entertainment. And that's why when you hear songs. So many songs. There's so many of them that lack victory. The element of victory. It's all about poor poor, pathetic, pitiful me. But I'm glad you love me anyway. Well, I'm glad too. And I'm glad. But when He forgives us, He doesn't want to leave us in the same state. He's delivered us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. Out of darkness into this marvelous light. And if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a new covenant. Glory be to God. It creates a new man. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many hungry for revival? Hungry to see God. When, When I got saved, My wife got saved. I had seen demons cast out. I had seen people healed. I saw my Mimaw healed of a back condition. Amen. I saw her gloriously healed in a tent meeting. I saw people healed in that meeting and doctors verifying it. I saw the fire of God and the power of God moving. I was healed of leukemia. Hallelujah. I am living testimony and evidence. But I went to a church that was on fire for God. It was a church full of hungry people. If you wanted formality, forget about it. But if you wanted an encounter with God, come on down. Can you say amen? I went to to a church where I got healed of leukemia that had church seven nights a week. I know there are people saying, oh, Lord, he ain't going to ask us to do that. Honey, if God ever gets moving like he was moving then, nobody will have to ask you. You don't want to miss it. You want to get in as deep as you can get. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. God moved every single night. Your mama, (laughs) she was sitting up in that balcony with that prayer team. They got in that big old building and they prayed every single morning and God moved every single night. Come on. When you walked in the building, you could feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. It never left. It stayed there. Praise God. When the preacher preached, there was an unction from heaven. There was faith arising in people's hearts. Hallelujah. The revival was so strong a denomination. This. Fellowship the pastor because he wouldn't shut it down because people were coming from that denominational churches to come where the fire was. And they told him, his overseers told him to shut it down. Why didn't those pastors get together with him, rent a big hall and shake the city for God? Because it... (laughs) They believed in fellowship as long as we we're all in the same ship. You know what he did? Thank God for my pastor then. Had boldness. He said, I don't want to be disobedient. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to have an attitude of any kind of disrespect. But I will not touch something that God is doing where people are getting saved people are getting healed and people are getting set free i humbly respectfully turn in my re- resignation you don't have to fire me i don't work for you anymore but i do work for him can you say amen and you want to know anybody want to know why i haven't joined up with that they could promote no they can't promotion cometh not from the east the west or the south promotion cometh from the Lord you said, "Well, brother remember look at you here honey it ain't over yet amen if it was over I would be retired and there's plenty of churches you can affiliate with but it's not over yet because I found out there's not many like me left you didn't hear me there's not many like me left I don't care how big the church is, how great the choir is, how big the... There's not many like me yet that is hungry to see God move in your behalf and in other people's behalf and will not be satisfied if we get a bigger building and I get a better car to drive and we get more people coming and I have prestige. No, that will not satisfy what is burning on the inside of me. Brother Venville, if you would calm down, if you would time your services, if you would have more programs. No, no, we need a move of God Nothing, nothing will change without a move of God Hallelujah, we need a move of God Your children are not going to get saved in that Sunday school without a move of God Your family isn't going to come in without a move of God Oh my God in heaven I can't stop. I hope, I hope, and I pray, amen, that I will live long enough to see Samson strengthen one more time and to see God's enemies vanquished. Can you say amen? All the time that Samson was walking around pushing that grist stone to grind the corn into meal. His hair was growing back. His hair, which was the source of his strength, that through his own compromise got shorn, it was growing a little bit each day, round and around, with all of the insults and the spittle running off of him, He's but his hair is growing something and it, it's not touched everybody but there are some people that God is touching today in this generation they are sick and tired of dead religion their soul is withering it's withering they're laden with programs and entertainment to keep them coming all kinds of fellowships and everything else and trips and there's nothing wrong in and of themselves unless we're substituting all of these activities because there's no real activity of the Holy Spirit to draw anyone. Amen. Church has become a competition of who can entertain the best and the experiment in entertaining has failed. A journalist for CNN wrote six months ago He said, and he was a journalist looking at religion. He said, I came up through my youth through a church that had everything. He said, I'm now 30 years of age. I spent my teenage years into my early 20s in a church that had everything. We had a basement with every kind of conceivable video game. And when the youth service came, we came, we played video games, we ate pizza, we had our own music, our own band. Everything was wonderful. Entertaining, but he said, "My soul began to wither." He said, "I've got plenty of friends that are thirty years old that came up through that movement. If we put everything down to just entertaining young people, we we will have this big youth group, and we can we can say how many people are saved." I had the man that did the lighting, all the light effects, and the sound for one of the largest Pentecostal churches in Plant City come to take care of our bugs, our bug man, young man, 28, 29 years old. He said, I did the sound, and I finally give up. He said, because I saw 300 young people, and I heard every Sunday, look how we're reaching them. He said, I saw them when someone opened the Bible, begin to give Scripture. That's when they closed their Bible. That's when they took the program off of their phone and began to text one another. That's when they begin to quit paying attention to anything being preached. We got them in to entertain them. We entertained them. We sent them out. We counted heads and said, look at all the youth we have for God. This is a Pentecostal, well-respected organization, but not dependent on the Holy Spirit any longer. Can you say amen? And if you're not dependent on the Holy Spirit, nobody's going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And just because you've got 300 people sitting there don't mean that They are saved and they're ready to meet Jesus or they're ready to follow Jesus when they walk out the door. He was disillusioned and discouraged. He said, I couldn't take it anymore. I resigned. I'm looking now for a church where they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ where you can feel the presence of God. And I thought, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm glad you didn't just go with the flow. But he told me something positive. God is putting a hunger in the hearts of his children that he can speak to. And there are people don't care how good the choir can sing, and how entertaining the message is, or how wonderful the programs are, there are people like David, my heart pants after the water brooks. My soul panteth after the living God. Hallelujah. And it's that group of people, that revival, is going to come to and through in this last day move of God before Jesus comes. How many would say, stir me, Holy Spirit? Can you cue up the oil of your spirit one more time? We're gonna I'm watching people fall away. And you know what? If I keep watching the people that lost their fire and enthusiasm, I'm in danger of losing mine. You know what the danger is to me, Brother Hobbs? Coming in here. We've been here all this time, I'm sweating under my clothes. Come in here and give you that thirty minute. Say it's all I gotta do, and I'm out of there. Here's your thirty minute sermonette. Go home like you came in. Just come back next week. We'll try to have, as one preacher put it, so many ways you're bound to like some of them. We could have a healing extravaganza, as was advertised in my hometown. Just healing. Bring everybody that needs to be healed. We're going to pray over them. Of course, nobody got healed, but bring them in the hopes of healing always have something to tickle the ear, something to tantalize. And one of the greatest blessings I have is when I hear a testimony of a child going to have its organs born on the out, born on the outside, being gloriously healed in the womb, and that baby coming forth instead of being aborted, and now a young man. And a baby that's never been here, never seen me personally, Telling his mama Someday let's go to Brother Venable's church And a mama telling me What a blessing Brother Venable you want to know why I don't come Very much Because I know if I come to your church I'm going to be convicted Hallelujah For the Holy Spirit being with us but what a shame that we run from that that would pull us out of sin out of self and out of the sure destruction to the Christ who wants to forgive us pardon us and restore us I don't want if we listen wherever we go I am not going to be different when we get there if we get back on the University of South Florida campus and We're in one of those nice rooms, you know. You know what I'm talking about. and We're in that kind of setting with the fountain. And where do you go to church? Oh, I go over to Embassy Suites on the University of South Florida campus. Hallelujah. I will not come out and call God, God. Amen. I promise. You know why? Because I don't want to see anybody else go to sleep. Nobody else dry up. Nobody else fall away. Nobody else get sick and die before their time because there's no bombing Gilead and there's no physician there. I want to see your family saved. I thank God for saving my son. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no defeat in his home going. Hallelujah. Only victory. Only victory. only defeat is that he lived his life without really following Jesus like he could have. And it brought on all the physical problems that he began to have. But he got forgiven. He got pardoned. And he got homesick for heaven. (laughs) Like I've never seen anybody homesick for heaven. Glory to God. So wherever I go and whatever I do in the future, I want the anointing to stay here, even if it takes this long. There are people bring a visitor one time. They can't take it. They can't handle it. Ain't coming back. Because they're conditioned to a one-hour, tightly organized, do this, that, and that, and we're gone, and that's it for the week. And we'll never, under those conditions, see a move of God. Never, 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 never. We'll never see a baby healed in the womb, a polyp dissolved in a man's intestine that was bleeding. We'll never see it. We'll never see it. Because there's no time to seek the Lord, no time to receive His word. We will never, ever see a demon cast out we will see a staff of Christian psychologists who can't deal with demons at all I'm not saying that there's not some good ones I'm saying they have no power over the devil and when you run upon the devil psychology Freud can't help you Jesus can hallelujah you are a peculiar people you are set apart unto me. You have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are part of me, and I am part of you. Yea, saith God, there are none like you in all the earth, for you are my people, and I am your God, saith the Lord. Because you are not ashamed to call me your God, I will never be ashamed to call you my people, saith the Lord. Because you have confessed me before men, I'm confessing you now before my Father and the angels, saith the Lord. Yea, yea, I love to declare that thou art mine, and I love to hear you declare that I am Yours saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yea, saith the Spirit of God, it is indeed the last of the last days. Yea, saith the Spirit of God, it is indeed the day of the falling away. Yea, saith the Spirit of God, it is indeed the perilous time. But yea, say the Spirit of God, you are in the kingdom for a time such as this. I have filled you with my Holy Spirit for a time such as this. I have called thee to be light and salt for a time such as this.